Well, hello and welcome to Worship with the Rural Methodist Circuit this week. I hope that wherever you are joining us from and however, uh, you will be able to find time now to just pause and rest in God's presence as we worship together. We're going to start with some words from Psalm 37 to encourage us. Do not fret because of those who are evil, or be envious of those who do wrong. For like the grass they will soon wither, like green plants they will soon die away. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and enjoy safe pasture. Take delight in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him and he will do this. He will make your righteous reward shine like the dawn, your vindication like the noonday sun. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Do not fret when people succeed in their ways, when they carry out their wicked schemes. Refrain from anger and turn from wrath. Do not, let, do not fret, it leads only to evil. For those who are evil will be destroyed. But those who hope in the Lord will inherit the land. A little while and the wicked will be no more. Though you look for them, they will not be found. But the meek will inherit the land and enjoy peace and prosperity.
Creator God, you made us in your image and provide us with all we need, a world with plenty for all to share and delight in. For this, we give you thanks and praise. Loving God, you came to forgive our sins and to show us the path we should follow through the highs and lows of all that life throws at us. For this, we give you thanks and praise. Holy Spirit, you were sent to equip us for the task ahead, and to get us into shape for the journey ahead, challenging us, pruning us and encouraging us. For this we give you thanks and praise. Forgive us for the times, even this past week, when we've not been the people that you would have us be. Forgive us when we haven't been the church that you call us to be. Forgive us when our lives have reflected the world rather than your kingdom. Forgive us when we've treated people well only because we expect that in return. Free us to worship you in spirit and in truth today. As we gather in worship, help us to turn away from the ways and standards of this world and help us to glimpse into your coming kingdom. May our worship be a time when our encounter with you challenges and changes us 
to be more like you. Amen. And as Jesus taught us, we pray together. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins, as we forgive those who sin against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, the power and the glory are yours, now and forever. Amen.
The reading is taken from Luke chapter 6, verses 27 to 38. But to you who are listening, I say, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who ill-treat you. If someone slaps you on one cheek, turn to him the other also. If someone takes your coat, do not withhold your shirt from them. Give to everyone who asks you. And if anyone takes what belongs to you, do not demand it back. Do to others as you would have them do to you. If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who are good to you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners do that. And if you lend to those from whom you expect repayment, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners, expecting to be repaid in full. But love your enemies, do good to them, and lend to them without expecting to get anything back. Then your reward will be great, and you will be children of the Most High, because he is kind to the ungrateful and wicked. Be merciful, just as your Father is merciful. Do not judge, and you will not be judged. Do not condemn, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Give, and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over, will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So today's uh, reading continues the Sermon on the Level Place, which we may have heard over the last few weeks. This location, the level place, is really key to understanding the passage. I wonder whether we feel like we're on a level place today as we gather for our worship, as we think about the, the world and the society around us, as we think about the impact of the looming cost of living crisis, as we think about our spiritual life and those around us in our church communities. We hear on the news recently much political comment around levelling up and what that might mean. Those conversations tend to be around investment in areas that have needed it or focus in areas of society that need help the most. But what does it mean for the church to be a place of levelling up? What does that mean for the church and for us as Christians to, to raise the world to a different level and bring about God's justice? Some explanation, perhaps, of this passage from Luke's Gospel. 
The phrase level places is perhaps a way of speaking about the conflicting nature of life in this present age we find ourselves in. The the teaching we find in this gospel passage bears in mind the specific circumstances of of Luke's congregation. The sermon offers us guidance in how we might live as faithful witnesses in the light of Jesus coming into our world. You see, in the ancient world, many groups believed that any community was to imitate its leader. We've seen this throughout history and it's no different for the church. I was at the Keswick Convention a few years ago now when John Stott preached his final sermon before retiring. In that, he he summed up his learning throughout his ministry uh, by saying that Christ-likeness is the will of God for the people of God. How can we become more like Jesus? What would becoming like Jesus look like? So the Lucan Jesus draws on this principle. The church community is to be merciful as God is merciful. Mercy is about releasing people and circumstances from recrimination that they might deserve. Mercy is one of God's primary qualities. We read, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who mistreat you. If someone slaps you on one cheek, turn to them the other also. If someone takes your coat, do not withhold your shirt from them. Give to everyone who asks you. And if anyone takes what belongs to you, do not demand it back. God's standards, the ways of the coming kingdom are more generous, more merciful uh, than we could ever imagine. The message paraphrase of the Bible writes the words of God in Amos chapter five like this. I can't stand your religious meetings. I'm fed up with your conferences and conventions. I want nothing to do with your religious projects, your pretentious slogans and goals. I'm sick of your fundraising schemes, your public relations and image making. I've had all I can take of your noisy ego music. When was the last time you sang to me? Do you know what I want? I want justice, oceans of it. I want fairness, rivers of it. That's what I want. That's all I want. I find that paraphrase really useful. Oceans of justice. In theology, we use the the word eschaton to talk about the end times. And this idea of mercy in in Luke chapter six has, has something of an eschatological frame to it. That is, we need to understand it in the light of the kingdom that is here, but not yet fully come. As we read through scripture, we understand our existence in a, in a worldview that's perhaps too easy for us to lose today. That is that our fallen world, however we understand it, deserves some sort of, some sort of apocalyptic punishment. But that's not what we get. But God, we read, don't we? But God instead is rich in mercy and invites us to turn away from the ways of the world and turn towards a life that moves towards his kingdom, towards his realm. Jesus' instructions in this sermon on the level place show the community how to put this eschatological mercy into practice. The end time here, though, isn't so much about the end of the world as such, uh, but in the dawning of a new kingdom here where God's justice is known, where his mercy is known, where his grace is experienced and his love felt. So Luke 6 doesn't offer us a comprehensive list of ethical rules for the new Jesus community, but it gives examples of mercy in action that would have been familiar to Luke's church. 
We're not meant to take this as a, a list of everything, but as examples of how to put the values of the kingdom into practice in other situations. I love the, the writing of the American preacher, Dallas Willard, um, and he, he writes this. Churches are not the kingdom of God, but are primary in, and inevitable expressions, outposts and instrumentalities of the presence of the kingdom among us. This impotence of systems is a main reason why Jesus did not send his students out to start governments or even churches as we know them today, which always strongly convey some elements of a human system. They were instead to establish beachheads of his person, word and power in the midst of a failing and futile humanity. They were to bring the presence of the kingdom and its king into every corner of human life, simply by fully living in the kingdom with him. Three, happens, uh, three things happen uh, when the church continually strives to bring about more of the kingdom here. And it's what we're meant to be about as the church. The church community extends the, the mercy and the love of God uh, beyond its walls and the hope of being part of the kingdom to those who otherwise would consider themselves excluded. Those who extend mercy, God's mercy, find their experience of mercy and God's love and God's grace deepens as part of their present, albeit partial, experience of the kingdom. And the church models the promise of the kingdom for the worldly community around us. People are meant to look at the church and see something of God's kingdom. But it's never going to be something we achieve and we're done. That's it. We've completed Christianity. We are the church. We're designed to be. That, that's not how it works. We don't get to do that tick and then we rest. The striving for more, more justice, more mercy, more love, more Christ-likeness goes on until he comes. It, it won't get any easier. Luke 6 uh, presupposes um, situations that, that, that we probably find familiar situations of conflict. We know a bit perhaps of that in our lives as Christians, um, but Luke saw that many Jewish leaders and many Romans as hateful, uh, even as enemies, instead of responding to these various forms of threat with retaliation, the kingdom calls uh, for attitudes and actions that speak the good of the other and that build up the community. Luke's form of non-violence in this passage goes, goes beyond non-retaliation. More, far more generously. Not just justice, but oceans of it. Not love, but the kingdom's no love. Not just grace, but the grace that goes all the way to the cross. The disciples are, are to take positive steps that promote the welfare of the people with whom the community is in conflict. It also um, presupposes an, an economic situation, which we also might find familiar. An economic situation in which people were exploited, uh, lived in poverty and sought to survive by begging. The instruction uh, to give to those who, who beg implies that the people in the kingdom community have an abundance out of which to share. Jesus' followers are to relate to others accordingly to the perspectives and actions of the kingdom. Uh, those of you who are my age and older will remember Belinda Carlisle singing way back in the 80s. They say in heaven that love comes first. We'll make heaven a place on earth. Um, 
We might say in the context of this passage, if we want to live in a world that has the qualities of the kingdom, then we need to treat other people in kingdom-like ways, especially as described in this sermon. This passage, you see, clashed with the culture of the day as much as it does ours. Um, A widely accepted idea from the Hellenistic world uh, is in the background of this passage. Relationships were viewed as reciprocal. A person behaved generously towards another person in the expectation uh, that in the future that generosity would be returned. But anyone can live like that. If as Christians we relate to others uh, based on nothing more than what we will get in return, uh, we, we just reinforce the qualities of the world um, in our current age as much as it was in, in the audience Luke writes to. Instead, in Luke 6, 6 Jesus encourages us to, to replace the age-old qualities of behaviour with those that are characteristic of the kingdom. Instead, in doing so, the, the disciples imitate God, um, who is kind to the ungrateful and the wicked. It's no coincidence that the word kind, krestos, is related to the word for grace, charis. When the church gives extravagantly, that is when it lives on the basis of this sermon, it will be in a position similar to the person who goes to the market for grain. The merchant fills the measuring container to the brim and, and shakes it down so that every cranny is filled with grain and then pours the overflowing grain into the apron of the barrier to carry home. Always giving In a similar way, God pours out the power of the kingdom on the church, always giving us more. Giving us more that we might give more. How can we practice this more than justice today, this week, as we plan the work of the church? As we uh, close, I want to give you some words that N.T. Wright wrote. What you do in the present, by painting, preaching, singing, sewing, praying, teaching, building hospitals, digging wells, campaigning for justice, writing poems, caring for the needy, loving your neighbours yourself, will last into God's future. These activities are not simply ways of making the present life a little less beastly, a little more bearable until the day when we leave it behind altogether. These are part of what we may call building for God's kingdom. How are we challenged to build God's kingdom here today? Living differently in our world is often tough. Hoping in a kingdom that we have yet to see fully is a challenge. But we are invited through our prayer times, through our stillness, through the Bible, through our worship, through our experience of love and grace and mercy to glimpse into a kingdom now and not yet, that we might bring more of that kingdom here, more of God's justice, more of God's kindness, more of God's grace, more of God's love. How will you make the kingdom of God known in your community, your family, your workplace, wherever you go this week?
of every breath we could ever breathe We live for you Jesus, a name above every other name Jesus, the only one who could ever say Worthy of every breath we could ever
Now we bring our prayers to God for the church and for the world. Let's pray. Holy God, sometimes our lives are so full of worries that we forget how you look after us through every aspect of our lives. When our worries begin to spiral out of control, help us turn them into a conversation with you, confident that you will calm our anxiety and give us hope for the future. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Gracious God, we pray for your church and the churches in our local communities, asking that there will be a growing desire to get together. We give you thanks for those who come up with fresh ways of making your name known to the wider community. Inspire us and guide us to become more like you, we pray. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Mighty God, we pray for peace in our world. May all lands that suffer violence and injustice find peace and reconciliation. We pray for the peoples of the world and all who offer their services in the leadership of the affairs of the world, that they may uphold what is right and good. We pray particularly at this time for peace in all places where there's violence, war and terrorism. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Father God, we thank you for the joy of human love and for all those among whom we live and work. We pray particularly for loved ones who worry us with their health or circumstances or life direction. We pray for those among our friends and families who do not know you or whose faith has been shaken. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Loving God, we pray for all who bear the burdens of pain, bereavement, worry and depression. We pray for those whose illness stems from anxiety. We pray that they may, be, may have an awareness of your presence and an understanding that you are bearing those burdens with them and always working towards their healing and wholeness. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Merciful God, through your love and mercy, you turn the darkness of death into the dawn of new life. Comfort those who grieve in their sorrow and those who are worried about how they will cope on their own and reassure them that you will never leave them to carry the burdens of life unaided. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Everlasting God, we ask you to lead us into this coming week. Help us to believe and know that you are close to us, keeping us from making mistakes. Help us never to disappoint you through our words and actions. Lord, accept these prayers for the sake of your Son, our Saviour, Jesus Christ. Amen.
loving your light, O Lord, may our hearts rejoice in your goodness. Living in your light, may our lives reveal your grace. Walking in your light, may our works reflect your glory. <laughs> 